Smashing the Plateau. I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. So many people, former employees, when they're uh, exiting a company, they see that as a personal affront. I would view it a little differently. And I work almost exclusively with employees. Today on episode 23 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with employment attorney Gary Ireland. Gary has represented many employees through their transition from employee to entrepreneur following the loss of their job. Listen as we discuss how to manage the exit from your job to maximize the success of the business you're launching. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, Sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Now let's welcome Gary Ireland. Gary is an employment attorney representing executives in transition. Since Going Solo is all about helping individuals build a successful business after a late career job loss, I thought Gary would be perfect to provide some insights into how to make the transition out of your job as successful as possible. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. It's a pleasure to have you on. So Gary, many high-achieving professionals want to start a business following a late career job loss. That, that job loss is often the trigger that, that pushes them to do something they've thought about for a long time. And making that transition from employee to entrepreneur can be really challenging. What are some of the mistakes that you see people making when they're going through that transition? That's a great question, David. And and one of the big areas that I see that, that the big mistakes that I see is a um, is when somebody goes into a business because of passion and family dynamics rather than seeing a need for why they're doing it. And let me give you a classic example. The family comes over from another country. They've always wanted to start a restaurant. They go into restaurants. We all go into restaurants and we all think we, you know, wouldn't it be romantic to start a restaurant? And, and it, of course, it would be successful because we love the whole idea because we grew up in that environment. They don't do enough research. They don't understand why it would work or wouldn't work. And they um, there's no real reason for that particular restaurant. That's that's the classic because in New York, everybody hears about how many restaurants fail. I mean, this could be in any business. That's why you have to say, what is the need for your business and why should you be doing this? And then there are other aspects, other, other issues that need to follow after that. But really, why are you doing this? And is it something you want to do or is, this, or is there a real need for it? And Gary, I would think, especially for folks that are high achievers or executives that have worked in a field for a long time, they probably have some pretty deep passions about their work. They, they absolutely do. And, and so many of them have been successful in many areas that they automatically think that's going to translate into success in every other area they try. Oftentimes they're right, but many times they're not. And I always encourage my clients that come to me to seek out, you know, a Trusted advisors bounce off the ideas. Uh, so many of us have a resource of, you know, we've got our networking uh, groups, we've got uh, professional groups, we've got therapists, the Better Business Bureau type groups. Make sure you make out a business plan. All of this has to be thought through, and then and then research it. 
talk to people. You know, why would they come to your business? What are they looking for? Go beyond what your needs are. Think about what other people's needs are and make sure that you've researched and talked to those types of people. Uh, I do it in my business. I ask for feedback all the time from my, my clients when a matter is over to find out how I can be better at what I do. Well, doing a lot of research makes sense. The one question I have, particularly for folks that have lost their job and they didn't expect the job to end, they may feel a lot of time pressure to get something started that's going to bring in income. What do you do in a case like that? You want to make sure you look at, you could do internships, even though you're, you're uh, older, you could volunteer in areas that are related or unrelated to get your skill sets up. What I don't encourage people to do is to rush into an area, especially if it's going to cost them a lot of money because they've got only so much savings. And if they're on a tight rope uh, and they go through all their savings on and, and I'll use the example of the restaurant, you know, to start a restaurant in New York is very expensive. It's it's not unusual for a very small restaurant to cost a quarter million dollars and then up from there. So. If you're investing your life savings in a business, you better be sure or fairly sure it's a, it's a good risk. And oftentimes people rush into that because they're under financial pressures. So they're better off taking a step back if they've got a spouse, consolidate their resources, cut back on spending and uh, wait till they have thought through the next decision. Now, if someone is going into a business that requires minimal capital to get started. Like, let's say you've been a marketing executive for 20 years and then you hang out a shingle and become a marketing consultant. How long do you think people need to spend developing the business concept and doing some research around what what potential clients actually want before trying to actually sell something? That's great. If you're a marketing executive, you've got friends who are, are in the same business. You should go to each one of them and ask them, you know, offer to take them out to lunch or have a more formal interview where you talk to them and find out what are their best referral sources? What do they find as their best clients? How do they get their uh, their clients? What do they do to service their clients? What do they do to continue getting business from from current clients and trying to seek uh, new clients so that they've got in place? What's going to happen? And then keep your costs down. Work, you know, if you can work from home, that's great. And see your clients at, you know, restaurants, at Starbucks, things like that. That can help keep the costs down. Once you've got overhead, uh, then you're hemorrhaging money. If you've got an office, then you've got to pay for that office. And if you've got a staff, you've got to pay for that. So you want to keep the costs down. That's that's what I always recommend to my clients. And I talk, I also recommend that that clients speak to somebody who's a professional. I'm a big fan of coaches. And oftentimes when uh, someone's leaving a company, I negotiate in their severance that they go to a, a, a business and executive coach like yourself. Yeah. Now for folks that are coming out of an organization where they're used to having resources, they have a budget, they have staff, and they have, they have uh, as I said, a lot of resources that they can rely on that are part of what they do in their work. How challenging can it be both strategically and also emotionally to have to do all these things yourself? It's tremendously stressful for, for many of the people I work with. And one of the suggestions I, I offer it in, in addition to, to working with 
their network of individuals, people that are trying are, are in positions with uh, that that they already that they're trying to get into is to um, hire people that may be students that may be right out of school that may that they can also mentor in that area and may be willing to learn in exchange for work. Make sure that you follow the proper uh, legal guidelines for that because you don't want to get yourself into trouble. But there are um, resources out there and many people want to work in exciting areas such as marketing. There, there are opportunities for younger people and, and then the more senior executives can mentor those people at either little or no costs. And you can go through uh, the local colleges and, and find marketing majors or any major, or you can go through many of the graduate schools as well. That's great advice. Gary, for folks that have been in their field for a long time and they weren't expecting the job to end, what kinds of distress do you see? Well, so many people identify with uh, their jobs as their as their lives, and and I hope they can avoid that. Uh, make sure that you've got insurance, and I, I always recommend that my clients seek professional help in order to get through that because it's devastating. People that are tied to their jobs, that's oftentimes their identity for, you know, not very healthy reasons oftentimes. And so when they lose their job, they've lost their their identity. Uh, and I would say inappropriately in so because your job is your job. It's not your identity. But, um, you know, make sure that if, if you've got the opportunity, seek professional help. There are also other resources. There are groups and get out there for two reasons. One, you need to be healthy. And, and secondly, you never know where a good opportunity is going to come from. If you're if you're out there, you've got a possibility. If you're at home, there's very little possibility that someone's going to randomly call you with with job opportunities. So I highly recommend that, you know, as devastating as a job loss can be, make sure you get yourself out there and, and looking around and, and rely on people that you've trusted before, you know, as as a unofficial board of directors that you can go to and, and ask them at the end of the conversation, do you mind if I follow up with you, you know, and send them a nice a nice note when, when you're done the conversation, because you want to make sure that you keep those ties open, the channels open and maintain a strong connection with people that can help you and make sure you remember that and, and you help them down the road or at least offer to. For folks that have managed this transition really successfully, going from employment to entrepreneurship, what are some of the steps that you see them go through? I see them treating it um, with all seriousness as they would treat uh, a very important job that they go to to um, the Better Business Bureau and related organizations. They make up a business plan. They do research, as I said before, call up potential friends of yours that would be potential clients that would need your service and figure out what exactly do they would they want? What wouldn't they want? Because oftentimes pe what people think that people need is not exactly correct. And so that they end up spinning wheels, spending a lot of money and wasting a lot of time that could be better served working in the business once they figure out what the business should be. So, you know, you don't open up a, a restaurant in an, in an area where nobody wants that. You know, you don't open up a meat restaurant in, a, in an area that serves all vegetarians. Uh, it's just not going to work. So you need to to make it clear what your what your focus is and change your focus if, if if nobody wants that service or product. And for professionals that open up a business that's related to the same kind of work that they were doing 
inside organizations. How long do you see that it typically takes them to get their business to a level where they feel that it's sustainable and providing for their personal needs? It varies a lot because if if you're in if you're at a high level in the financial services area and you are able to move and take your clients with you, you've got a business right away. Uh, same with marketing and other areas, and you know, keeping in mind that there may be some non-competes and the, and the law is changing in those areas. But you know, in other areas, if you're switching your job and moving to another area or even an area that's slightly different, it can take up to a year of serious mining. Uh, for new clients to to get back on your feet. And that's why it's so important to keep your overhead low in order to uh, maintain the, the business. Uh, and you can start, you know, if, if you're looking to to start a business uh, that is related in the in the services industry, you can do that fairly simply with with starting a LinkedIn, getting a website. And I suggest you get a, a professional website done. But during this period, learn everything you can about each aspect of, if you know nothing about websites, learn everything you can about that website, outsource it to somebody that you trust, but then also be involved so that you know um, how that website's gonna help your business. Uh, LinkedIn is very inexpensive, but you need to, to know it and make sure that it's gonna help your business. Now, as far as the relationship with the previous employer is concerned, are there some things that you see that people that are more successful keep in mind as they're going through their exit and working their way into a new position as head of their own company? Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. And because so many people, former employees, when they're exiting a company, they see that as a personal affront. Uh, I would view it a little differently. And I work almost exclusively with employees uh, and I counsel the employees to, you know, let's say that there's no animosity, you know, animosity based on discrimination. If it's just a consolidation of the uh, business or, you know, the business is changing and that's why they're leaving, that they use the employer as a resource. For example, if the employer is is really suffering on their own and you're able to maintain a good relationship with that employer, you may be able to uh, get some of those clients that they're no longer able to service. I recently worked with somebody who was leaving a marketing firm and the, the company was consolidating and they were able to leave with some of the clients. So, you know, it always helps and unless obviously there's a real problem where you, you need to take legal action against your employer that you use them as a resource. And all of the former employees that you have, um, you've uh, garnered and, and cultivated relationships with, they, they should be resources for you. Uh, and make sure, that's why it, it always pays to treat people well. Yeah. And now, if your departure, like you said, is is an amicable departure and the the job loss is a business decision on the part of the employer, are there benefits to having an attorney working with you as the employee? Absolutely. I, I, I highly recommend that as early on, if you feel you're about to leave the company or the company is essentially about to leave you, meaning that they're going to terminate you, get an employment attorney involved as soon as possible and have them and strategize as to how this exit may look and how they could improve your situation. For example, and and um, 
uh, one of the things that, that uh, you know, David, you and I work together and I've benefited from your wisdom. And I oftentimes try to incorporate into any severance agreement that they can get a coach so that they can move on to their next opportunity, whatever that may look like, whether it be working for someone else or starting their own business. But having a sounding board is so important. And part of that sounding board would be a coach telling the perspective um, new business owner that their business is not viable mm. or provide the resources where to steer them in a way that could send them to a, a productive uh, you know net landing pad where they can start a viable business that's going to flourish but you know it's it's hard to do that in a vacuum and do it on your own even if you've been successful in business in the past working with a group Right. Now, Gary, you mentioned that it's helpful to speak to an attorney before the pink slip actually happens, if you think it might happen. Um, I'm going to take this actually a step further and say, is there benefit to having some kind of regular conversations with an employment attorney? I, I know you work with people on their way into jobs as well as out of jobs, but is there kind of like you, you go to your physician for um, an annual checkup, is there a benefit to having something like a regular checkup with your attorney if you're an employee? That's a good question, David. If On the way in, oftentimes, even at high level, executives do not use an employment attorney. And I, and I counsel them against that for the following reasons. So many employees look at the bottom line and say, I'm going to get this much money. I'm going to get this much equity. And what do I need you for? Well, oftentimes the equity is illusory, meaning that you only get it under conditions that will almost never exist. So that's essentially off the table. If you had an employment attorney, they could at least tell you what, what's, how that's going to work. And I always encourage my, my clients to look closely, particularly at equity uh, positions that they may be offered. It with startup companies and things like that, you wanna make sure that the equity is real. And, and an employer, an employment attorney can help you out with that. And then also, you may be, oftentimes employment attorneys more than pay for themselves because they, they will show you areas where you can get better deals on not just, not just income, but portability of, of benefits when you leave. You want to make sure that you, um, that, and what I mean by that is if you have life insurance that you can take with you, that's much more valuable than life insurance that's stuck when you, when you leave it, you're done with it. The other thing is you want to make sure that if there's garden leave, meaning that you have to sit out for a while after, after a job, that that garden leave would include pay and, you, and including some sort of bonus if that's possible. Uh, I always I always look into that because if you're getting a very low pay and most of your and your and your compensation is structured on bonus, then your garden leave should also include that or at least something for it uh, in anticipation of of having to sit out because otherwise that can really hurt you. And and if you're starting a, a new business, you're going to need some income. The more you can stretch out uh, the severance from the prior employer, the better. Yeah, and what's the common definition of garden leave? Garden leave is is a time when oftentimes let's use financial services as as an example in financial services. Oftentimes they the uh, employer does not want an employee to leave with the institutional knowledge. So they may have three months of garden leave where you can't work in the business and you have to really just sit out 
And that's fine as long as they're paying you. It's more painful if you're not getting paid and, and you have this you know garden leave where you're, you can't do anything. So you want to make sure you get paid and you should get paid more than your salary. So it it compensates you for the bonus if you're if you're a highly compensated employee that that uh, relies on the bonus for for most of your income for the year. The other thing you want to do is make sure that you get benefits during that time. If you see an employment attorney before you leave, and if you're thinking about starting your own business, you can also start thinking strategically in terms of that business. You can uh, make sure that you've you've got in place a, a business plan for your next your next move, so that when you move, you've landed and hit hit the ground running. Right. You could spend your time doing some of your research. You could talk to now. Can you actually talk to potential clients and customers? Well, it depends. If you're in the same business, uh, it might be more challenging, and depending upon what your your employment contract says. But if you're uh, if you're starting a new business, you know, if you're looking to start something with your family that's unrelated to what you used to do, that that's obviously going to be easier. You know, one of the other things that I always uh, um, am careful with is uh, the non compete clause. Uh, there, there's legislation now that's cracking down on that, but the non compete clauses can really stifle other employers from looking at you and it can limit your opportunities when you're trying to leave an em- employment situation that's bad. So make sure that you don't have much in, in the way of, of a um, non-compete clause so that you can move on and, and an employment attorney can help you with that. And, and it's best to do that before you start your, your job. Right. And uh, Gary, for, um, for individuals that are really looking forward to this transition, as challenging as it may be, they've, they've, thought about being their own boss for a long time and they finally see this job loss as a trigger for an opportunity rather than than as a as a challenge what are some of the the thoughts you have about how to frame the whole thing in as positive a way as possible and try to create the most successful outcome so many employees have been working in jobs that that maybe they started out as a positive experience, but the time they hit their late 40s, early 50s, late 50s, early 60s, they've they've grown bored with them. They've it's repetitive, and they're ready to move on to their next opportunity. And obviously, in the if they're in the better financial position they're in, the more psychologically exciting it's going to be. If you're desperate. Uh, as we started the interview with that, that's a tough position to be in. And you also uh, can make the mistake of losing a lot of money. So you want to make sure that you are in the proper state of mind. And that's why I always uh, suggest that my clients seek professional help, both through a therapist and through a a business and and personal coach in order that so they can really hit the ground running and make sure that there's the, the second point of that is during this period, you want to make sure that you do the research in order to make sure that you're you're getting into an area that there's a real need. You don't want to waste your time and your money getting into an area that just there's no need. It may have, you may have romantic notions of it being exciting and and fulfilling, but if nobody wants that stake in a vegetarian community, you're not going to go very far. Gary, if someone wants to go deeper with anything you share today or learn more or access any resources that you have, where would they go? Sure, you can reach out to me at IrelandLaw.net or Gary at IrelandLaw.net, or you can call me at 212-991-5468. 
Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo, sharing your insights. My guest today has been Gary Ireland, employment attorney representing executives in transition. Thank you again, Gary, for joining us. Thank you, David. Uh, Have a good day. When you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash going solo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to manage the exit from your job to maximize the success of the business you're launching and much more. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.